Good morning, everyone. So, who in here has heard of Theodore Parker? I've got one. Yeah. Okay. Theodore Parker was a transcendentalist, an abolitionist, and one of our great Unitarian spiritual ancestors. He was a Boston pulpit minister and preacher of the mid-19th century. Even among Unitarians, he was a radical. Here's one of the things he said. I preach abundant heresies, he wrote to a friend, and they all go down, for the listeners do not know how radical they are. My kind of guy. But he really got in trouble when he preached a sermon called The Transient and the Permanent in Christianity. And he called biblical authority and the person of Jesus some of the transient things. So in case you're wondering, that's a really good way to piss people off even today. Yeah. And in the 19th century, it was downright scandalous. The storm he touched off with the sermon, eventually blew Parker out of his pulpit, and a few years later, out of Unitarianism altogether. The whole incident had prompted the Boston Unitarians to adopt a creed, a creed, I say? Does that sound strange around here? To adopt a creed excluding Parker's views. Well, a couple of centuries later, you and I know that old Theodore Parker won the long game as we sit here in our creedless Unitarian Universalist churches. How happy he would be about this is up for grabs. Since one of the things that Parker firmly believed was that the root of religion was God. Jesus was disposable, God was not. He believed that humans and I quote, feel naturally allegiance to a superior being, dependence on him and accountability to him, end quote. So I'm not so sure that everyone in a modern Unitarian Universalist congregation is going to agree with him on that naturally feeling allegiance to a superior being thing, and those who are, may not care to call that superior being a him, right? Guy's losing ground quickly in the modern world. But on the whole, his big idea that religion must be based in reason and conscience, that goes down pretty well in a modern UU setting. In Theodore Parker's time, Unitarianism was, of course, still very solidly in the realm of Christianity. And here's part of what Parker had to say about what was permanent rather than what was transient in Christianity. He said, Christianity is a simple thing, very simple. It is absolute, pure morality. For Theodore Parker, that's what religion is, pure morality. The natural allegiance to a superior being that he talked about that is what gives you the morality. So Ralph Waldo Emerson, another beloved Unitarian spiritual ancestor and fellow member of the Transcendentalist Club, along with Theodore Parker, 
They hung out together, and it may not be such a great surprise that they agreed on the centrality of morality. Emerson saw this as an improvement upon what he regarded as the somewhat superstitious religions of the past. He wrote that the progress of religion is steadily to its identity with morals, and that the next age will behold God in its ethical laws. I don't know lately, I haven't been seeing much ethical in our laws, but that's a whole other sermon. Uh, he wanted to get what, to what he would call God away from anything supernatural and center that God firmly in the realm of ethics. Okay? So while many of our universalist spiritual ancestors were off teaching that the inherent and unending goodness of God would not allow God to damn people to any kind of hell, Many of our Unitarian ancestors were out there teaching that the proper understanding and relation to God would lead to absolute morality and ethical action, in effect, to human perfectibility. And that's how we get to the old UU joke that Unitarians, I'm sorry, Universalists, believe that God was too good to send people to hell. And Unitarians believed that they were too good for God to send them to hell, right? <laughs> so I really hate this equating of religion with morality. No offense to our Unitarian spiritual ancestors. Well, okay, maybe some offense. Um, there are a couple of reasons for my severe displeasure at this equation. It leads too many people to believe that only those who are religious can be moral, and that's certainly not the case. But it's an argument we still hear, don't we? Mm -hmm. And it also diminishes the importance of religion. Since we can be ethical without religion, what's the point of religion? So I told you that Parker and Emerson equated Christianity and morality, but before that, I said that Parker believed in the holy as the root of religion. Now there's a belief I can get behind. I call that holiness God. Others might speak of life or the universe or humanity as a whole. Personally, I'm happy with any and all of these terms because they give a sense of something greater than ourselves greater than the power of human reason. We may not name it or gender it the same as Parker, but we experience connection to that which is more than our single or societal selves. In other words, we understand our place in the cosmos, beings in one planet out of billions, and with awe and wonder, we find meaning and purpose in the holiness of this connection. Okay, this isn't going to be a sermon where we spend most of our time working through different people's understandings of God or the universe or spirituality or awe and wonder. But I wanted to set the ground rules that these things are foundationally important in religion. That religion isn't just morality and ethics. I don't care what Parker and Emerson have to say about that. And now having said that, I want to talk about 
morality and ethics. <laughs> ethics are those external rules of conduct that are agreed upon by a particular group. And morals are usually held to be the more personal understandings of right and wrong. But we're just going to use morality as shorthand for both of them. Morality in society can give us the guardrails that keep us from falling into harmful areas. But it can also blind us to possibilities and realities that lie beyond those guardrails. For instance, a couple of hundred years ago, people in this area of the country would have debated the most ethical way to treat those who are enslaved, right? Makes me want to gag a little to put ethical and enslaved in the same sentence, but that's what people here would have been doing. And now we see that slavery is the absolute antithesis of ethical action. No matter what people who are writing textbooks in Florida might say. When morality sets forth ideals, it can lead, as Theodore Parker wrote, to a divine life, doing the best thing in the best way from the highest motives. But morality can also be a diminishment of a deeper understanding. In the Tao Te Ching, we read, when the Tao is forgotten, there is righteousness. When righteousness is forgotten, there is morality. When morality is forgotten, there is law. So when the Tao is remembered, there's no need for morality or ethics. When humans have a deep sense of connection to that which brings harmony and peace and act from within that, our ways of being with each other reflect. We, it reflects that without need for external guidance. A set of rules can never replace innate understanding. So let's think about that for just a minute. Here's kind of an extreme example. A person who sees a car barreling down on a child in the middle of the road and puts themselves in danger to push the child out of the way is not acting according to a set of rules, but from that instinctual place. That's the place of the Tao, doing what is necessary in the moment without needing to, get it, needing to give it consideration, right? Acting harmoniously. And how wonderful would it be if all of our actions sprang from this place of harmony and connection and understanding? If there were not only no rules, but no need of rules. If we never acted from the feeling of constriction, but always from a place of freedom and peace and creativity in regard to each other. Lovely dream. That's not the way it is. As we look around our society and our world, we see that the Tao has been forgotten. Righteousness and morality have given way to law. And we live with hard lines rather than harmonious action. And within those hard lines is where we seek and struggle to enact our morality. I think for a moment of whistleblowers, the Chelsea Mannings, the Edward Snowdens, 
the ones who risk everything and break all the laws and do so in the service of what they believe to be right. We don't all face the harsh stare of the public gaze, but we all do come to these points in our lives when the rules that have been laid out for us clash with deeper impulses or higher callings that press upon our lives. When we sense that the laws and regulations will not answer the current moment, we might find our hearts and minds and spirits to be battlegrounds in these times as we try to find the through line that holds together the laws and rules that have guided us and whatever it is that calls us beyond those laws and rules. Abraham Lincoln spoke about that through line when he wrote, I am not bound to win, but I am bound to be true. I am not bound to succeed, but I am bound to live up to what light I have. Now that doesn't sound very American, does it? The whole by any means necessary has been resounding through our society of late. The need to win has taken on an urgency that will not quit. We gather here today as more and more rights that seemed accepted and protected are threatened, outright demolished. People of color, women, those affected by gun violence, those dealing with addiction, and so many other communities are living in fear and watching in horror as safeguards are stripped and repressions rise again. We cannot step out of our turbulent times to find our values or live in ivory towers and ignore the needs of a hurting world while we blithely uphold illusory ideals. We must weigh our walk through this world, doing the good that we can and reaching farther than we thought we could. We do not spout, we do no good spouting ethics that are out of touch with the real heart-rending world of our lifetimes. But we also do no good giving up on morality and ethics in a free-for-all fight to the top, a disregard for the foundation on which our ethics and morality arises. If I look at you and I see your pain and do not recall my connection to God or life or humanity, then what good does that connection do me or do the world? Every deep connection must at last call me to remembrance of my interconnection with all that is. I am reminded of the great fourth century Christian theologian, Augustine. He summed up ethics in the most succinct yet powerful statement on the subject that I've ever heard. Love and do as you will. Sounds so simple, right? I get to do what I want. No talk of rules, sin, any of that stuff. But hold on here a minute. There's that love thing in the beginning. Now with that as foundational, that as the lens through which I have to pass all of my actions, 
I suddenly am in relationship with everybody and everything and have to act for their good as well as my own. I'm not thinking in terms of rules or sin, but of what brings good to this other person, this other being, this planet. I am forced to consider myself, too, since I matter in this relationship as well. I get to do as I will, free of the encumbrances of rules and regulations, once I see through eyes that acknowledge the beauty and sacredness of every being and creature and part of nature that exists. Might as well say, open yourself to wonder and awe and do as you will. Live in awe and do as you will. Recognize the interconnected web of existence of which you are a part and do as you will. As you move through the world this week, I encourage you to think about the rules and guidelines that mold your actions, to connect with the Tao beyond the rules and guidelines, and to love and do as you will. Amen and namaste.